Hey, welcome back to a special episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest. But uh, first, I want to give a shout out to our partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, two great organizations that you really need to be a part of. Go to globalcommunityofwomeninsports.com and go to wecoachsports.com for more information. Now let's hear from our sponsors. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At our school, we use surveys for just about everything, from parents to kids to coaches, and the information that came back was almost always over-the-top positive, and it'll be the same for you. Surveys also allow that squeaky wheel parent to uh, vent a little bit and um, sometimes point out a uh, small issue that you can address and keep it from turning into a big issue uh, because you didn't know about it because you didn't do a survey. Go to athleticsurveys.com uh, or send them an email at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in registration. But Final Forms is more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility, they have reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come with athletics. Final forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, final forms can help you with eligibility, with rosters, and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to Final Forms dot com forward slash jake that's finalforms.com forward slash jake to get started with final forms we also want to say thank you to huddle go to huddle.com huddle is how the world sees sports more than two hundred thousand teams use huddle to help their athletes perform better using video and analytics as a football coach i used huddle for years but as an athletic director our school was a huddle school, and our coaches just loved the mobile apps, the smart cameras. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle has the tools to help every team and every coach improve. Go to huddle.com for a complete solution and professional-grade analysis of your programs. Go to huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 6 million users. Find out how your school can become a huddle school. Go to huddle.com for more information. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channels. You can do it on any device in seconds, and you don't need any design experience. Go to gipper.com. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and use the podcast code ADPOD10 and get 10% off. 
Start creating custom branded content for your school social media channels. That's Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Snap Rays. Go to onsnap.com. That's onsnap.com and check out the Snap Rays platform. Uh, there's a variety of services uh, and support platforms for athletic directors and leaders everywhere. Uh, that's onsnap.com. Uh, Snap Rays is their fundraising platform, and it's just fantastic. Our coaches use Snap Rays. And it was just great. Uh, snap spread, um, snap spend, excuse me, is uh, the way they transport uh, their money platform. Uh, snap store has a wide range of high quality and affordable uh, spirit wear. And snap mobile is also part of the platform. So again, go to onsnap.com and see how their platform can help you run your athletic department better. That's onsnap.com. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you go to vitalsignswalloffame.com, you can check out their interactive touchscreen consoles and their library of templates, which will help you recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. You can also email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their indoor scoring tables and video boards. They not only raise money for your department, they also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their boards in action. And you can email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing. Go to hometownticketing.com and see why they are the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. At Hometown Ticketing, they're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets digitally for all your games, for all your events. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to these games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, that's every step of the way, you'll have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. Hands-on support. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to uh, set up and sell tickets for things like theater productions, music concerts, school dances, even graduation. Anything you can sell tickets for? Hometown Ticketing can help you. That's hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, we talk about people being friends of the show. Well, these are certainly uh, two very good friends uh, and former guests on the show. We'll get to that later. Uh, and 
They also host their very own successful and very popular podcasts. Uh, our guest today, uh, Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith, uh, we'll get into their stories, but uh, they also host the Paradox podcast, uh, Untold Stories from the World of Athletics. Um, doctors, doctors, welcome to the Educational AD podcast. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fitting that you introduce her first because she is really the, the meat of the operation. I'm just the voice. <laughs> not true. <laughs> uh, there's so many different ways we could take that. But uh, <laughs> again, uh, Daniel and Dustin were both guests on the uh, original series, our, our first uh, season, I guess. And uh, they were in our first book, The Athletic Director's Toolbox. Um, I got to know uh, Danielle uh, through uh, the our state association, the FIAAA. And then Dustin was recommended to us by um, another Arkansas athletic director. Uh, and they've both uh, become great, great friends, uh, you know, connecting both at the state and the national level. Um, Danielle, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So we'll start with you first. Uh, give us that, uh, you know, quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up, you know, your athletic director career and, and what you're doing now. Okay, um, I am originally from New York, um, East Greenbush, that's the Albany area, so upstate New York. Um, I moved to Florida as soon as I graduated um, with my master's and got a teaching job and coaching job, and I, I started doing that for a couple years, um, and before I became an AD, um, one thing that really kind of drove me is I went for an AD physician, and it wasn't really on my radar wasn't what I expected. I thought I was going to be a lifelong, you know, teacher and coach. And um, I just saw things that I thought I could help all athletes and all coaches. And, and I thought I could make a difference. So I went for a job and I thought I was the most qualified. So does everybody that thinks, you know, they go for a job, they're the most qualified and they should get it. Um, but I didn't get it. So I went ahead and uh, was like, I'm never going to be overlooked again. So I got a doctorate in athletic administration. So no one could ever <laughs> pass me by again. Um, they still do, but that's not the point. So I, um, I did that. So I've been in education for about 16 years. I was an 80 for 12 before um, I took a job with Ticket Spigot as the director of client success, which is great. Um, and I get to help 80s across the entire country. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, you know, mentoring and helping AD is something I was passionate about even when I was an AD. If I did not have um, Chuck Hitt, was at Harmony High School, and he kind of took me under his wing, and he really taught me um, the ropes of being an AD because I felt like I was very prepared, but when I had to that first job, I did not know how unprepared I truly was. So I always try to be that for the new AD in town or a new friend that, that comes along because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been successful. And I think that that's something that's really important that um, you know, the older 80s really kind of step up and help the newer 80s who are coming in. So that's a very quick version of how I am here today. Well, again, you and I met, uh, well, we met virtually first uh, mm -hmm. through the podcast. Uh, you were recommended uh, for listeners. Danielle is the athletic director at Manatee High School down in the Sarasota Bradenton area uh, for a number of years. And uh, she's given a presentation a number of times in our state 
And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the title of your presentation to other ADs and coaches was a department of one. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Her high school was this enormous public high school, and she was the athletic department. There was no assistant AD. There was no administrative assistant. There was no middle school AD. And when we finally met in person at the FIAAA conference, we were at a, I saw her sitting at a table. I went over and sat down and introduced myself. And uh, at that point, I was the director of athletic enrichment at my private school. And uh, I brought over, well, here's our athletic director. And oh, oh, here's our assistant athletic director. Oh, and this is our middle school athletic director. So here we were a high school of about 400 with five full-time administrators in our athletic department. And Danielle's uh, school was much, much bigger. And she was a department of one. So uh, I, I think there was equal parts uh, admiration and maybe a little bit more uh, hate at that point. Uh, uh, Jealousy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, again, Danielle's very well known in the state of Florida as an athletic director. And as she said, now she's working for Ticket Spigot uh, on a national level. Uh, Dustin Smith, Dr. Dustin Smith, uh, what's your uh, origin story? Share it with our listeners. And I don't know if I've got any cool stuff like being from New York or <laughs> anything like that but I'm from northeast Oklahoma a small Native American community uh, former reservation called Pahuska Oklahoma um, which um, if you know anything about Indian or Native American history um, the Osage Indians were relocated to Oklahoma uh, and that was Pahuska is the county seat of, of Osage County in northeast Oklahoma very small small school or small town with with a small school and me not being really aware of my surroundings, thought I was a really great baseball player. Uh, and I went to college to play baseball, tore my shoulder up, um, and then fell back on, my parents told me education is important. So I fell back on my education, was gonna be on ESPN once my dream of being a Chicago Cubs shortstop fell short, um, pun intended. And then I was gonna go to ESPN, but didn't go to ESPN, wanted to get in athletic administration. So I was in the higher ed, higher ed world for 16 years. I uh, was an, an athletic director at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, where I led the transition from, I say I led, I participated in the transition from junior college to division two, uh, which only two schools have done that in the history of the NCAA. And we were one of those two. Uh, so it was a huge jump. It was me just trying to figure things out at the NCAA level. Um, and then uh, as, as always happens, fate has a way of intervening. Got an opportunity to work in the high school level and I've been at Greenwood uh, now seven years. Uh, my wife is actually from Greenwood. Uh, so we had lived here prior to me taking this job, but I uh, got offered this position. I've been at Greenwood for seven years now and have, have loved the interaction that I get to have with our, our high school athletes, our middle school athletes. And I'm like, Danielle, I'm, I'm a department of one. It's me um, doing a multitude <laughs> of things, whether that's driving a bus, keeping a scoreboard or um, whatever it takes, that department of one, I can feel um, here in Greenwood for sure. Well, and uh, again, uh, regular listeners of both of our podcasts, they'll understand uh, that you also play goalie uh, or have played goalie uh, once or twice. Uh, and again, my career, uh, the last 20 plus years of my career, uh, I've been in Florida. But prior to that, uh, I was in the great state of Arkansas for one year. And uh, you've actually been uh, 
you know, through that town where I uh, was a teacher and a coach. So uh, not everybody can say that. Now, not everybody can say they've been to Subiaco, but you have been there for sure. <laughs> I don't uh, even think I can say Subiaco. <laughs> yeah, Subi, like a sub. Oh. Subiaco. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. And, uh, and those are stories for another uh, podcast. But uh, um, if you have not listened to the Paradox podcast, you really need to check it out because. Uh, there's a lot of athletic director podcasts out there. I certainly, you know, not the original one. Uh, I borrowed uh, my formula from my good friends uh, uh, at the Hanging with the AD podcast. But I tease um, somewhat seriously that uh, Danielle and Dustin, they're doing the podcast that we all want to do. Okay. Uh, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of turn the tables. Uh, we're going to ask them to share uh, their untold stories, you know, uh, whether they're humorous or, uh, or tragic, um, you know, as, as Dustin always likes to say, well, what's the takeaway? We always try to have a, a takeaway. So uh, Dustin, we're actually going to go ahead and start with you first. So um, assuming you were a guest on the paradox, you know, what is uh, an untold story that we can finally tell uh, to our listeners today? Well, I'm going to go to the college ranks and as my time there as an AD, which I know this probably surprises people, but things happen at the collegiate level as well uh, for athletic administrators. But um, I, I mentioned earlier, we transitioned from junior college to division two, and that made it, that was a whole new look from four-year degree plans to four-year student athletes, to scholarships, financial aid, advising, all the stuff that goes into making a division two school. We had to do all that. Well, we've laid all the groundwork, we're doing all this work, and my goal was to we had a, a beautiful facility. My goal was to pack it out just to get fans there for our basketball teams. Uh, and so we got a national TV game uh, and our girls and boys were playing the double headers. So we we're going to have this national TV game. And man, I was pumped. I was excited. We we're going to get this big crowd. We were going to have all this fun and really need to showcase our institution, showcase our athletic programs and our kids and do it on the national level. Uh, so you know the amount of stress that goes into planning such an event. Uh, it doesn't just happen. They don't just roll in the TV cameras and boom, everything happens. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes before that. So this was um, no different. We were working on, I mean, we've been working on months trying to prepare for this. And so the night before, we had done everything that we thought was ready. Okay, we had all the camera angles set up. We knew where people would talk to the talent. We knew that they had interviewed coaches and players. And this was really going to be a big production. We were going to do all these special giveaways. And we had planned out every single thing you could plan out. Or so I thought. Uh, and so I get a call that night. Uh, well, actually, I guess this is the next morning. I go into the office early that morning. It was a Saturday game. And so I'm in the office early. And I walk out on the gym floor just to see, make sure everything's where it's supposed to be. And there are three cones on the gym floor, which weren't there previous. They weren't there the night before when I left. And I'm thinking, what in the world are three cones out there on the floor? It's hard to play basketball with three cones. And it's not like they're on the side. They're not like oh, they're on the baseline out of bounds. They're right there in the middle of the court. So I'm thinking, ah, what, what have we done here? So I make a few, a few phone calls. And it uh, turns out our maintenance guy the night before was was re, um, I don't want to call it buffing the floor, but kind of cleaning the floor, really getting, getting a nice sheen to it to make sure that it was really clean up on the uh, the TV screens and people could really showcase. I mean, he was just trying to do a job to try to showcase what we were doing. 
Well, in the process, he had pulled up a large chunk of the floor and it was a floating floor. So it was not something that I could just replace. So I walk out there and there's a gap in the floor. That's probably about this big. And it's extremely hard to play basketball with cones on the floor one, but it's even more difficult when you have a hole in the floor, which is what I had. And so here we are about four hours from tip off and I've got a hole in the middle of the floor that I've got to figure out how am I going to plug this, fill this, make this look like it's part of the floor because it's going to be on TV. That's the downside of what this was going to be because we were going to be on TV and we wanted to showcase we wanted everything to look great. And here I come to the gym, nothing that I had done, but I show up and a big chunk of the, the wood floor is missing because the machine had gotten too much, pulled it up. So it became super crisis mode to try to figure out. So we found all kinds of contraptions. You know, in those situations, you got a whole bunch of geniuses that come to you all of a sudden and say, hey, Dustin, you should do this. Or Dustin, do you think about this? Or maybe you should do this. And I did this with my deck one day. And I'm like, your deck wasn't on TV. I'm not worried about what you did with your deck. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to fix this problem right here. So with a combination of some serious wood glue, um, we were able to Tetris that thing together and make it look like, and nobody ever knew it except for me and the custodian who tore the tore the floor up and it wasn't his intention by any means but it was a moment when I walk in and it's at that moment that we all have a, oh my gosh what am I going to do and how am I going to fix this to make it look like it's a normal part of the floor the tv cameras didn't notice there was no comment whatsoever we filled the place it was awesome environment it was awesome games except for we lost but we were able to play and that was the important part so my takeaway was you find a way to make it play however you can. It's just a bunch of wood glue and try to really Tetris that thing together to make it look like it was okay. But a moment that went from, oh my gosh, we're not gonna be able to play to finding the remedy and being able to make it happen for our kids was, um, it was a moment that I'll never forget just simply because of that feeling of, how am I gonna fix this? Because it's not like you can go to the local hardware store and find that floor uh, that you can piece there. So I'm going to go first. So Danielle, I know you, you always have a bunch of questions. Um, so many. <laughs> so many. Um, your, your very first reaction, the very first reaction, I know mine would have been, I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, and then it would have quickly gone away. And I would have said like you, you know, okay, how do we fix this? So did you fix it in-house? Did your facilities people come through? Or did you have to call that guy up? You know, hey, Billy, you know, the hardwood specialist in uh, Fort Smith, uh, can you come to our school? How did you get that repair going? Well, there were there were some um, colorful language for me, which is, uh, Danielle will tell you, is not really colorful. but That's very um, rare, too. <laughs> there was a lot of thoughts going through my head trying to figure out. But the reality was the guy didn't do it on purpose. Right. Uh, it was just a sheer accident, and of all days, this is the day that it happened. So I'm dealing with it on on this day when we're going to be on national TV. So my first thought was, how am I fixing this? And then I'm trying to figure out. I'm not as handy as I think I am, uh, and so <laughs> I really don't want to make it out there look like it's like a big band aid put on the floor. So I got to figure out a way, and it happened to be where there was no paint, so it wasn't like we had the the mascot that was all butchered up or anything like that where I had to try to match paint and make it look like it was normal so it was actually just the that natural wood floor that I had to repair 
So I had to call, uh, fortunately, I was real good friends with the head custodian, head maintenance guy. Um, and I didn't blast the guy that, that made the mistake. It was just an honest mistake. So um, I, I would like to say I just went off on that dude, but I did not. I just called our maintenance director and said, hey, we got a problem. We got to fix it. TV cameras are going to be turning on here in three hours. How are we going to do this? And so it was immediately going through the Rolodex and saying, okay, how do I fix this problem? Um, my wife gets mad at me because she says I'm like a waffle. I just go from compartment to compartment. So the syrup just goes from hole to hole and you just move on to the next thing. So I'm just trying to figure out the next thing. How am I going to solve this problem so we can get on TV uh, and nobody knows? So I, I got in the Rolodex, called who I was supposed to call, and I got over there. And we, like I said, we made them, them a little MacGyver action. Um, and that's probably predates Danielle, which um, we point yeah. out quite often. But MacGyver, yeah, I know who MacGyver is, though. So <laughs> we just made it happen the best that we can. But I have a question, though. So did you have a conversation with that custodian that was like, you were like, hey, this happened, but why didn't you tell me when it happened last night? Why did you let me walk into a surprise in the morning? Because then you could have, you know, planned it a little bit or instead of like walking in, like, why is this? What if you were late that morning? Like, it could have been worse. I didn't talk to him right away simply because my level of anger <laughs> probably would have added to the colorful language in my mind and that all would have came out and probably not been good or well received and uh, really again the guy it wasn't his fault he didn't do it on purpose so um eventually it wasn't that day that I had the conversation with him he was off duty so I didn't end up talking to him until the next week and I had some time to kind of cool off because um, we got it repaired uh, but I did ask hey why didn't you call me on Friday night why didn't you call me when it happened so that I could be up there and we can fix it, maybe not sleep whatsoever. But um, his response was, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. <laughs> See, that would have cued the, all of those feelings, the colorful right. feelings for me again. <laughs> See, as, as I was calming down from the initial uh, impact, uh, if, when he said that, I didn't think it was that big a deal. That's when I would have exploded and probably mm -hmm. put my hands on his neck. Um, <laughs> one, one final question. Um, you said that you really couldn't see it after the repair went through. Did you tell the visiting team about it? We did not. We kept that to ourselves. Um, now, I did tell our guys there may be a dead spot. Of course, right, yeah. Don't dribble right here, but um, yeah, it was home court advantage. You got to have those home court advantages. I am right there with you, 100% with you. Yeah. At least before tip, maybe after the game, you might have said, hey, you didn't notice, but here's what happened. And, and, you know, kind of laughed about it then, but it was a, it was a for sure panic moment when it happened. You walk into the gym and, um, you know, we talk about like on our episode with Cole Canyon, where he had the, the chickens in the gym. What do you do when that happens? What do you do? You can't just push the panic button and chicken little it. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. We're not going to be able to have this game. You got to find a remedy. And so we were able to find a remedy, thankfully. And, um, but the immediate reaction was, what in the corn have I gotten myself into and how am I going to fix this? <laughs> and in our profession, those things happen, maybe not to that degree, but multiple times during a day. You know, you've got this unexpected thing that wasn't on your top three things to do that morning when you walked in the office. Oh, by the way, you got to deal with this. Yeah, well done. Okay. Danielle, uh, let's go and put you in the spotlight. Uh, What's uh, an untold story from your athletic director career? So 
I feel like I had a whopper happen to me really early on. Um, I we I hinted about this on our on our uh, you know podcast and paradox, but I have not actually told the story. So I got a radio, you know, one day, and um, they're like, Danielle, we need you, you know, out of the tennis courts. Get out to the tennis courts as soon as you can. And I'm like, all right, go see what's going on at the tennis courts. So I go out to the tennis courts, and I realize there is about six foot gator in the tennis courts, bigger than me. And I'm not talking about a John Deere gator. No, no, I'm talking okay. about an actual alligator. Okay. A real life alligator. A real, well, real life alligator. Let's say that for right now. So I'm looking at this thing. I'm trying to figure out what is going on. And um, I am a you know person who really cares for animals. So the story gets hard for me, but um, I think it's important for me to, to point out that it was the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Right. So we had Monday off. I believe, is that what? Yeah. Something like that. It was Memorial Day weekend where we had a long weekend. So it was like the day we got back, maybe we were off on Friday and then, you know, we came back on Monday, but it was a long weekend. So we come back and they're like, get out to the tennis courts. So I get out to the tennis courts and I'm out there by myself staring at this massive gator. Like, what do you want me to do about this? Like this thing is bigger than me. Um, now the way that those, those tennis courts were, was there was like four or five courts. And there's, you know, there's a little, a little um, door in between each court, right? There's fencing all down the middle of each, you know, court and there's fencing. So um, we locked all of the, all of the gates stayed locked, um, but there was one outdoor exterior gate that was open and I, and it wasn't anywhere near anything. So I don't even know how this gator got there, but he ended up getting himself in. And then this poor gator must have gotten so confused. And I don't know how long he was there, but I'm assuming it was a long time because it was the weekend of the long weekend. But um, it took me hours, not hours, but like an hour to figure out that he was actually no longer alive. So now I have this massive gator on the tennis courts. You know, PE classes have to come out there. It's tennis season, tennis needs to use the tennis courts. And I have this massive gator out here who's now dead. And it broke, I do actually have a picture of it. I don't know if you can see it. Um, but it broke my heart because you can see his face against a locked gate. So he kind of figured out where to get out, but he couldn't get it open. So he ended up, you know, he perished. Um, but now we still have this gator. So let me tell you, you need to have a gator removal plan if you're in Florida because how does one moving gator that's that large and pays that much it's not that easy so we ended up having to get like a crane that came over the tennis courts to grab it and strap this gator on and then lift the gator up and over the tennis courts because there wasn't really another way to do this so it was a, an extreme thing it took um a bit to get the district to come out and, and try to help us in the animal control which once the animal is dead, that's not really their thing anymore. So it wasn't the easiest task to try to tackle. It took, it took a long time. So anything that was on my plate that day kind of stayed on my plate until the next day while we were trying to figure out how to handle this. Well, uh, again, in Florida, um, gators are not all that uncommon. Uh, I'm sure it would be uncommon if Dustin uh, you know, came across one in, <laughs> on his campus. But uh, uh, 
was there any sort of uh, investigations, the law, the wrong word for it, but um, was there any theories, I guess, on where it came from, how it got there, um, you know, so that you could maybe gator proof your tennis courts uh, going forward? Yeah, so um, I was kind of, I don't know, obsessed with trying to figure out who left the gate open. I knew it was probably an accident, but look what happened. And luckily, you know, um, it wasn't worse off or something else. So I was always a stickler on locking up after yourself. And we don't know who, there was no cameras at this point. So that wasn't a thing. So we couldn't, you know, figure out when it got on there or how it happened. Um, so yeah, it was a, the investigation, no other investigation other than me trying to figure out what happened. So it never happened again. Um, I don't actually still don't know where this came from. There was not a pond or anything that close to us. So this was like a rogue gator, I guess. So let me ask this question. <laughs> and maybe because this is going to show my gator lack of intelligence. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> how did you assess that it was dead? I mean, what, what was the pro, what's the process for that? Did somebody get in close to it? Did you enter the arena and decide, mm -hmm. hey, we're gonna we're gonna throw some yeah. rocks at this thing, see if it responds? What's the option there to make sure that you? That's actually a very good question because <laughs> there are parks in Florida where people can walk in very close proximity to gators, live gators. Uh, one's called uh, Shark Island. I don't know why it's called Shark, but there's gators there, and they look like their statues they look like they are motionless but all of a sudden they move very quickly and so that that is a very good question so uh danielle uh, you want to tackle that one oh, that is it is a phenomenal question one that i was asking myself as i'm standing there what do i do how do i figure this out so um the there was a piece of uh there was some blood coming out from under its tail so at the very least, I knew that it was injured. I didn't think it like got boiled alive on the tennis court, which is what I think happened because those tennis courts get very, very, very hot um, in Florida. So um, yeah, I definitely investigated on the other side of the fence. And um, yes, I eventually did enter the arena. <laughs> so I had the nurse there just in case. Uh, so that ended up you know, it did take a bit to really make sure that this uh, wasn't being a statue because what Jake said is very accurate. They, they just can be motionless for a very long time until they decide you're, you're done. So um, yeah, it took a bit and pretty much how you are thinking of it is kind of how it went down. It was a trial and error, make sure that everything was okay. Now I want to say, fortunately, that for me, it, it was dead, so I didn't have to worry about it. But unfortunately for the gator, you know, it, it was dead. But it was definitely something that I never thought I was going to have to one deal with, figure out how to remove it. Um, you know, any of those, those kind of call another AD and reschedule our tennis matches because there was, again, a dead gator on our tennis courts. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a couple comments I have. Um, my My... <laughs> I've got a little Cajun in me. So like Troy Landry and all those folks and uh, Swamp People, maybe you could have called them in and had them come remove this gator. But um, the real comments I have, one, some people say the best way to eat gator is fried, which may have happened on the court there. But two, truly dead weight. You were removing truly dead weight, trying to get that thing out over the, the fence with the crane. I'm, I'm impressed you got a crane that was there that you could readily access 
and remove the, the gator when you need to, the dead weight gator. I don't even remember how I did that, to be honest. I don't remember who I called. I just remember that it ha I needed it. It happened. Um, it took a bit. It was not the fastest process, but I just feel like, uh, you know, just deal with weather and animals in unpredictable situations. So that was definitely one of the most unpredictable ones where I just, I took a minute to just stand there and stare at the tennis court and be like, I got to do what? <laughs> I do what? I have to figure out how to do what? So, yeah. Definitely a memorable one for me. Yeah, uh, I'm just, is is there any sort of uh, marker on the tennis court? Like, is there a chalk outline of the gator or, uh, you know, anything to uh, acknowledge that that happened? Dedicated the courts to the gator afterwards. Yeah, was there a CSI investigation? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately, none of those things happened. I think it, we should have, that's what we should have done. Okay. Well, again, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. I guarantee you that is not on any athletic director's, uh, you know, top 10 things they're going to do on a Thursday morning. Uh, is, oh, I'm going to go check the tennis court for uh, alligators, dead or alive. Um, so uh, well done. Yeah, I think you handled that well. Um, Dr. Smith, let's move back to you. Um uh, you've been doing this uh, for a few years. I'm going to guess there's another uh, untold story that you can share with uh, with all of our listeners. Well, I'm, I'm going to tap into this wildlife theme that we have going here uh, because it <laughs> seems to be my last year has been, uh, I, I guess I've been, um, I don't know, haunted. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if that's the word to use, but I've been I've been exposed to certain wildlife that I'm not usually exposed to. Um, and it happens to be at, at, at athletic events. And for some reason, nobody really cares who the AD is until there's a problem. Uh, <laughs> and when the problem is, they're looking for the AD. So um, this year, this last few months, I've been dealing with skunks at our football field um, in the stadium. And so uh, it, it's amazing to me the people that think, hey, Dustin, you got you to gotta trap these. This is your responsibility. And I said... <laughs> Let me tell you what to do. Stay away from the skunk, especially <laughs> the back end of it. If it raises its tail, get away. I mean, don't be around the thing. That's probably the best remedy. So we've had skunks. We've dealt with opossums. Um, it's really possums, but they had the O on there for whatever reason. It's silent. But uh, anyway, we've dealt with possums. We've had uh, pigeons at games. But back in February, uh, we had bats in our arena, not baseball bats. Not softball bats, not cricket bats, straight bats like you see on Halloween, um, <laughs> like you deal with, with with vampires, whatever. And so I, I'm keeping the scoreboard for one of our junior high games, um, and we're playing in the arena. Game's going on just fine. Everything's happening. It's a girls' game, and all of a sudden, this little black mischievous flying rat comes. <laughs> comes down and he buzzes the tower of a couple of our girls playing basketball. Not necessarily our girls, but the girls from another team, which provides a, a rather large decibel of screaming, um, fear. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everybody just turns to me and says, Dustin, what are you going to do about this? Exactly. I mean, it's bats. It's not something that you just deal with on a regular basis. They're flying around the arena. They're... Uh, they're dive bombing every now and again. And so you're just sitting there trying to figure out, oh, sweet Moses, what am I going to do here? So 
I looked to my left and our freshman center's principal was there. She was on duty because it was a seventh, eighth, and ninth grade basketball game. So she was on duty and I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, I got an idea. And I said, I, I, I'm all ears. Let's, let's see what happens. And she says, let's get some, let's get some towels. And if they, if they swoop down far enough, then we can throw the towel on them and then we'll trap them. Oh, great idea. <laughs> Something, okay. I mean, it's better than me trying to catch them with my bare hands. Uh, <laughs> keep in mind, we have homecoming the very next night. Uh, so we're going to use the arena. It's a big night for us. And it seems to be this theme that we have these big nights and something crazy happens. So the girls game, finally, we, we catch a couple of them. She was really awesome at throwing a towel on them. When they swooped down, she threw a towel on them. And I found out that you can't kill bats. You have to let them go. Uh, and so at least in Arkansas, at least in Sebastian County in Arkansas, you can't kill bats. You mean like law? We trap them okay. with, a, with a towel. They, they just lay motionless. You scoop them up. Then you take them outside, plant them on a tree. So who uh, who shared was, that nugget with you about the legislative policy regarding bats in Arkansas? Who did? <laughs> How did you find that out? When I called wildlife management and said, what do I do here? <laughs> oh. And they said, I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't kill them. You can't kill them. Okay. So, How many bats are we talking, Dustin? Like five, 50? Well, that night, visibly, there were six at one time flying around. <laughs> one was enough to elicit such a scream that it's only in horror films. But these girls, they were not playing. They were done. They said, we ain't doing it. We ain't going to be out there. Now, what I found out about bats is they're not really going to hurt you. They're just going to scare you. They're going to buzz your tower. They're going to fly somewhere in your proximity, but they're really not out to, to bother human beings. Um, so they're buzzing around. Girls start screaming. We catch a couple of them. They disappear for a while, which really they don't like coming out at night in the light anyway. So I don't know why they were out anyway, but maybe the noise messed with them. So we get everybody calmed down. They finish the, the second half of the girls' game. We start the boys game and here they come again. They're dive bombing. They're just coming down. And so one of our kids throws a basketball at it, just trying to knock it down. Um, and he, he gave it a glancing blow and the, the bat kind of fell down. It was still alive. Um, and one of his teammates said, that's the only thing you've hit all year. You shot all these oh. things that you haven't made stuff and you hit this bat that's flying around. So anyway, to make a long story even longer, we, we are able to conclude the games and we're trying to figure out a bat plan. So me and my, um, I didn't call the Batman. I didn't realize that Robin wasn't around. I'm just looking around <laughs> trying to figure out how we're going to solve this for tomorrow night's homecoming. It's a big night, big night for our girls that are their homecoming court. We'll make sure that it's special for them. I don't need one flying in their hair and hanging out like the beehive hairdos back in the day. So how are we going to solve this problem? So I call my maintenance guy and I said, hey, I've got an idea. I've got a, a pool net that's on this pole that I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can catch some of these things and see, you know, you see him catch butterflies back in the day with some of those butterfly nets. I was gonna use this pool net to try to do that. Brilliant idea, I thought. So- yeah, I, I like that better than the towels. So right. I'm curious that, to see how it turned out. So it turns out we caught 36 bats <laughs> that had made, now some of them I'm thinking are recycled. They came back in, they figured out how they were getting in the arena. They came back after we put them out on the tree or whatever outside, they, they made their way back in. So we may have called them multiple times. 
Um, so I don't know if that's stupidity on the bat's part or my part for not putting them far enough away that they don't. Your own, your own catch and release program. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the pool net really worked because you could trap them on the side and then you could just work the net down the wall and then you have them, you can trap them, you can take them outside and release them. So I was able to catch quite a few with the net, the pool net process. Um, but it was a process nonetheless that I'm not proud of or that I'm excited about having to deal with, but I have done it in my past. And apparently there are people that will create, that will catch bats, just in case you wondered. There are uh, bat people, specialists, if you will, um, that were able to come and help remedy the problem, seal up all our stuff. Now they're very proud of their work. Uh, I was really shocked at the bill that they gave us to try to uh, bat proof our building. Um, and it really wasn't bat proof, but I had to deal with bats during a game, live action, and then trying to catch them. But hats off to my principal for the freshman center because she was able to she was able to wrangle a couple of those things with a towel, which was awesome. Well, I'm only going to make uh, one comment, uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Lapointe. Um, you are very fond, uh, Dr. Smith, of uh, bestowing nicknames onto all of your uh, paradox <laughs> guests. Um, and, uh, the obvious nickname, uh, for you, of course, would be Batman, but I, I think I'm, I'm going to leave it up to Danielle. The alternative name would be pool boy. I was going to say bat boy. Let's take them and put them both together. Okay. Batman's already taken so we can go bat boy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. LaPointe, your observations on this, uh, untold story. Well, I, I have to be honest. Um, I got live text through this whole thing. I was I was up to date during the whole, uh, you know, bats flying everywhere, and you know, how are you doing over there? Well, you know, still dealing with bats. <laughs> These bats uh, gave Justin quite the run for its money. So it's funny to hear me to hear him tell it again because um, there's definitely some frustration when you're everything's fine and you are trying to catch something so small yet like Dustin said it's terrifying you know, to so many people and and, and a gym is a big location I mean they can get up high and never come back down for you to catch them so I am impressed that you even caught all of the bats and 36 of them is, is nothing to be shameful about Dustin. Well you know the funny thing is they call me on uh, I was at home on a Sunday um and our girls were practicing because it was their season and they have a, they have a, they play on Tuesday. So they practice on Sunday. Um, and so they were practicing and the bats reared their ugly heads again. And here they come flying around, buzzing around. And our girls said, we're done. We're not going to practice here. And my girl's <laughs> basketball coach, he's ultra successful, been here a long time, has won over 700 games as a girl's basketball coach, um, won nine state titles. He's been ultra successful. And he's like, I'm out, dog. I'm out. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to take care of the bats. I'm like, man, I understand the girls. But here I am. All the whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Why do you understand the girls? Well, just based off their reaction from the Thursday uh -huh. night. The bats, uh -huh. It was, uh, and maybe it was out of the had a loud streak <laughs> as well. But the girls were mostly <laughs> audible and most of them you could hear. Um, so I understand the girls being a little more terrified than than him but he maybe was more terrified than the girls so he just called me and i'm thinking <laughs> it's a sunday afternoon can i not just have one day where i not have to worry about something at the school and then i became batman and had to go 
wrangle the bat and catch a few more. So I did that day, which was pretty fun. Dustin, did you ever go back and watch the uh, the gym footage of that going down initially? Because I feel like that might have been a good time to watch. Well, the, the, <laughs> they did have video of my principal trying to throw a towel on. <laughs> she did. She did not. She did catch a few of them. I guess I shouldn't say knock them down, but she did. She did catch a few of them, but there were several that she missed, and we got videos of that. So we laughed about that or her efforts out there. And of course, people ask me, Dustin, where are you? Where? And I was like, that's delegation right there. You find somebody else going out there to do that. I'm going to sit right here until we figure out how we're going to really handle this. And she was able to, she was able to catch a few. We caught a lot of video on that, but I have destroyed said video so nobody else will have any, um, I guess, ammo against me for, for that process. So I guess final takeaway, is your building now bat proof or you still have the risk of uh, a bat infestation? I think we still have a risk, um, but we did pay significant amounts of money to bat proof it. Um, and so <laughs> since we caught the 36, we have not found any more. Uh, so hopefully it is bat proof, but man, I got knocked on a lot of wood for that because I don't <laughs> want to have to deal with that again. That's not something that I want to put on a resume <laughs> as I've caught bats because then I may be called out to wherever. Uh, trying to trap that somewhere else. Well, I, I'm going to remember that the next time I'm I'm driving through Greenwood, uh, I, I'm going to look for that sign on the gym. You know, we are 100% bat proof. And then uh, okay. I'm going to call you on that. Okay. Maybe I'll just show you the, the uh, light in the sky and have Batman symbol on there. And you'll know that, that we're good there. I love it. I'm Batman. Yeah. Danielle. Um, Share with us uh, another untold story from uh, your career as an athletic administrator. So um, I have one that I think um, the timing of it makes it makes it a little bit more interesting. But this happened during COVID, so not too, too long ago. Um, and we feeding off of Dustin's girls basketball. It was girls basketball. And unfortunately, my girls basketball team got quarantined more than any other team I had on campus. Um, they came, they were in their, you know, like two week quarantine came back for like two days and then someone else would get it and they would go back to their two week quarantine. So out of all of my teams, my heart was going out to them because they just couldn't get time on the court and it came in and the season was almost over. So that's all happened. And I think they got quarantined two or three times. So now we're fast forward to the last home game of their, of their season, senior night. Um, I'm just happy we're getting a game in for them. Okay. And it, it, everything's going, you know, um, normal. It's a normal, it's a normal game. And all of a sudden we get a massive storm coming through. Okay. Like a Florida nighttime thunderstorm coming through. No big deal. We have those frequently until it starts raining extremely hard in my gym. And if you uh, want to guess where it was raining, it wasn't over on the bleachers. It wasn't on the side. It was right in the middle of the court. And I am sitting there like, why does this have to happen to the girls basketball team? They have played like no games this year. They've been quarantined more than anyone. And they just, I just want to get them one senior night game in. And, and there's no time to reschedule it. The season's almost over. Like at that point, I was like, no one was rescheduling games anyway. So I'm sitting there and my I, I call my head custodian and she's, she's like, well, 
you know, what do you want to do? And I think the easy thing to do would have been like, sorry guys, you're done. Right. But I think that's what I want. That's why I want to talk about this story is because sometimes our job isn't to do the easiest thing. And this is also a good time to point out how important it is to have your relationship with your custodians. We were very close, very much respected her, you know? Um, so she's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, don't we have a lift somewhere on campus? I was like, can you get me the lift? And she's like, let me see what I can do. So she gets a lift and she comes back. Meanwhile, the officials want to go home. It's raining on the court, you know, fans are starting to show up. The other team's here and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, just give me 10 minutes. Like, let me figure out what I can do for 10 minutes so we can get this game in. And um, the custodian's like, well, you don't know how to drive this. And I was like, well, I'll figure it out. So she goes up with me and on the on this thing all the way up to the, to the ceiling. And I figure out where it's, it's leaking. I cannot fix this. I don't have the tools to fix this. I don't have the time to fix this. But I did have towels. So I created what I called a water hammock. So that thing just kept on leaking. But I had created this little water hammock to catch all of the water. So the water just wasn't going on the court. It was just being soaked up in these like water hammock thing that I created and taped and MacGyvered, as you pointed out, Dustin, <laughs> and, and tied around pipes and anything that I could anything that I could find to, to hook to. And so there was this massive, just big towel up there with the water hammock, but it wasn't dripping on the court anymore. Officials were happy about it. Other team was happy about it. And we played the game. So I feel like for takeaways from that are, I don't think we should take the easy route. Um, if I had to do any, all of that all over again, the only thing that I would do differently is everything went awesome for the JV game. JV game went completely fine. But that thing got so saturated by the varsity game, I started seeing like one or two drips here and there. So like they would run down the court and I'd run out and like dry it and then come back. So if I had to redo it, I either would have like, I don't know if I would have canceled it, but I would have definitely have shortened the JV game. I would have made that one, you know, shorter so we could have had the varsity game. Because towards the end of that game, I was like, that, that clock could not go fast enough. I didn't think that water hammock was going to hold. And I was like, oh, God, this is just all going to come down in the last couple minutes of the game. But it didn't. It held um, water. The water hammock lived for about two weeks um, before it was eventually fixed by district. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, again, I've got a visual of you you're like a, <laughs> a, a ball boy at Wimbledon, you know, running out yeah. and uh, drying, running back off the court. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, that's Any perfect. Yep. Any close calls uh, with players? Uh, no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it was, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty, but they got the game in and hopefully that's all they remember. They don't remember like seeing me scatter off the court with a towel. <laughs> so let, let me ask this question. What did the water hammock look like actually? Was it just one towel or did you think that one towel was going to work or how did you, how did you fasten it up so where they was able to catch the water? And did you think about using sponges at all, maybe in there to absorb water so that they wouldn't leak? And yeah. So that's a good question because the water hammock was beautiful, Dustin. It was beautiful. So I got a really big towel. Like it was one of the really big custodian um, towels. So it was like probably like a, like a beach towel type of size. And I was able, there was, there's a whole bunch of pipes and stuff up there at the gym ceiling that I never really noticed much before. So I tied it off and taped it to everything that I could possibly tape and tie it to. And then I took a whole bunch of folded towels. And once that was secure, I took a whole bunch of fold, fold, folded towels and put that 
on top of it. So if you looked up, you just saw what looked like a really large white beach towel. Like it literally looked like a hammock. That's why I called it the hammock. Um, but yes, I did put a whole bunch of stuff in it to kind of absorb it. I, it wouldn't have, just one towel wouldn't have stopped it for very long. So it wasn't like a bunch of rolls of Charmin or anything, or what's the bounty, the quicker picker up or anything like that? No, no just, just a whole bunch of towels that my custodian was getting for me. And I was like, anything, just anything at this point. I just, I want this game to get in for these kids so badly. And we did, right? So I guess that's, that's the good thing. But um, yeah, if I, didn't, if I didn't have that relationship with you know her to stop what she was doing, to stop her night, to help me get a lift and to get the tools I needed to get up there. Like that was a team effort, 100%. And I think that relationship speaks volumes for, you know, any AD. You never know when stuff like that's going to happen and when you really need um, those people on campus. Well, you think about like on our gym floor, we'd have to have plywood out there for the lift to go out on so that it wouldn't mm -hmm. damage the floor. Uh, so mm -hmm. we would have had to get the lift and then the plywood and make the path for it to follow the path out there. So um, did you have to do anything like that with to protect the floor or did you, were you just able to get the lift out there? Yeah. So yes, we did. Um, but that one is a, not as, as much as I don't think you would have to, because that one was like designed for the gym. That was like the gym lift, but they were using it in like the auditorium for something, for playing some play or I don't know what they were doing in there, but I knew it was in there. I saw it in there. So I was like, how long does it take to get that from there to here? She's like, well, you know, a little bit. That's why I was like, if everyone would just give me a minute and, and the pressure, you know, the officials were like, do I have to stay? Can I leave? Look what's happening. You know, my coach is, is like bummed and my kids are frustrated and they're like, no, we're never going to play. And the other team just shows up and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, just need a minute and I will try to fix it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a very fast because it didn't just happen, you know, four hours, like you're, it wasn't before. This was literally like during warmups when this occurred. So we didn't have uh, the luxury of time. You know, you, you, a couple of points that you made, you brought up, you know, the, this idea of as ADs, you know, we want the game to go on. We want the kids to have a good experience. So, yeah, I, I know how, I, I understand how that was working in your mind. Um, for me, uh, had I been faced with the same situation, I think I probably would have overthought it. And instead of towels, uh, would have tried to get a tarp or something so there wouldn't be any drip. And on the short term, that would have worked good. But at some point, it's going to fill up completely and then explode on center court. And so then you've got other problems. So I think you probably made the right decision. Water hammock. Just not drip like that. Like the kids these days say you're stylish if you got drip, uh, but you didn't want that kind of drip. Don't ever say that again, Dustin. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go to Urban Dictionary and, and the references. Um, for our listeners, if you just tuned in, uh, we have borrowed uh, two good friends, The Paradox, uh, Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith. Um, and they are uh, making a drop in on the Educational AD podcast. Uh, we're going to let them go, but not before we have them do a, uh, a redo on their toolbox tips. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Danielle was in episode number 41 way back in uh, our very first season. Uh, Dustin was not that far behind her, episode 72. And for both of their interviews, they gave some great 
uh, toolbox tips that are now part of the athletic director's toolbox volume one. Uh, but we're going to ask them to do it again. So uh, I don't know if they've gone back to look and, and see what their toolbox tips were, or if they're just so firmly embedded in their psyche that they uh, <laughs> know exactly what they said. But uh, Dustin, I'm going to start with you. Um, you're sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Dr. Dustin Smith's athletic director toolbox? Well, if I think back to to that episode, um, I almost sounded like a preacher because I had three eyes that I talked about. The intentionality was one, um, but but I used three eyes in my my toolbox. But I think since um, we've crafted this podcast, I think I got to change it a little bit. I think you got to laugh and laugh at yourself um, and laugh at others and share those moments. Be vulnerable with people, but be able to laugh because this job requires tons of time, requires tons of hours of service, of just craziness, dealing with stuff that you're not really prepared for, or nor do you think, <laughs> but you've got to be able to, to enjoy it because you're in it for so long. Um, and there's so many long days and so many long hours that you put into it. If you don't have fun and don't laugh, you're going to be miserable and you're going to quit what you're doing. So you got to be able to laugh, number one. Number two, you need to be intentional. And I used that in my previous episode, but you've got to be intentional. And we talked about it throughout this podcast, talking about relationships with your maintenance people, with your coaches, with your kids. Uh, just be intentional. Carve out time each day to spend time with some student athletes, to spend time with some coaches, to foster relationships, to build that trust, to build those opportunities. So when a problem comes up, like what we've dealt with, you have a remedy. You have a person that you can call or contact and you can all pull on the same rope in the same direction. Uh, not play tug of war because that's when that's when kids lose when you play tug of war. But if you play and pull on the rope in the same direction, then things happen. So be intentional, laugh at yourself, and finally build yourself a quality network, people that you can reach out to across the country. Uh, it doesn't have to be in your conference. You're going to deal with those people on a regular basis. But people that are in say Florida, people that are in, um, say Washington or wherever, and you can just call and check in on, but don't just call with problems, call to actually have a conversation and just see how that person's doing. It kind of goes back into intentionality, but part of that is with your network. You've got to be able to build that network, continue to foster that network and learn from those around you. So always, always, always seek for opportunities to grow, to learn and to become better. I love those tools. And, uh, you know, you did, uh, you went back and uh, and you checked on those tools. So there was some parallels there. And I love how you use the word uh, quality uh, in talking about the network, <laughs> building that quality network. Right, so you, I appreciate right, you got that. That goes back to an episode when Jake was actually on our mm -hmm. podcast and we talked about the word quality several times. And actually that's Jake's name in my phone. He's Jake quality <laughs> in my phone. So uh, quality was intentional there. Intentional quality. There you go. <laughs> Dr. LaPointe, um, what three tools would you put into a brand new athletic director's toolbox? So unlike Dustin, I do not know what I said on my first episode. I have no idea. I don't remember. Um, hopefully they were good and hopefully they kind of line up with these. But if you want to ask me that today, um, I would say number one would be, um, to have a work-life balance. 
that is not something that I was very good at in the beginning. Um, I still don't know how good I, I am at it, but that is something that I think is really important because especially when you're a first AD, it's very easy to get wrapped up and overwhelmed. And it's, and it's literally a 24 seven job. You always have kids that are, that are out there and they're practicing or they're at games and they're at school during the day and they're at games at night or practicing on the weekends. And, and I just think it's easy to forget that you have a life as well. So finding some sort of balance, and I'm not saying there's like a, a perfect equation for what that looks like, but it has to be okay for you. You know, maybe I believed um, very strongly and I will work as hard as I need to Monday through Friday and that weekends are mine. You know, that, that is something that worked out well for me towards um, the middle of my career. I kind of figured out like I was happy that way. So whatever works for, um, for you ADs, but I think that's something that's really important because oftentimes when there's Christmas breaks and Thanksgiving breaks and spring breaks, well, guess who's still working? The ADs and the coaches and they, they still have games and, and practices. So I think that's a really vital one for long-term success. Um, the other one I think is, growing some tough, some tough skin or thick skin, however you want to word that, um, between parents and officials and, um, whether it's your administrators or booster, it doesn't really matter. Pretty much you're never going to make the perfect decision all the time. You have to deal with weather is a huge part of our jobs. And if you don't call the game and the other team gets there and then you call the game and you have to pay for officials and the other team took a boss. But if you call the game because it rained and didn't rain, it's on you. I mean, there really isn't a right answer sometimes. And I think that um, you kind of just make your decision and kind of move on. And I think the best way to describe that is a some tough um, or thick skin because there's always going to be times when we could have made a better decision or maybe if we went back and we would do it again, but we learn from that and we move on. So um, I think to kind of not take everything, um, I don't know if to heart is the right word, that's probably not what I mean, but just to have that, I, I can do this, I can make these decisions, I can live with them and I'll be better afterwards. I think that's really important. Um, and then my third one is I really strongly believe in thinking outside of the box. You know, what do we do? We, you know, Paula Public Schools don't have enough funding for athletics. So what can you do to get more funding? Um, that includes, you know, something Dustin touched upon, like your relationships with other ADs and making sure um, you're doing, you know, the best possible thing you can do for your school. Just because the AD before you did it or the county always did it that way, I don't necessarily believe that's the right path all the time. So I, I really believe in thinking outside of the box in almost everything you do. You know, is there an easier way for me to create this chart? Is there an easier way for me to get this information to my coaches? Is there a more effective way for this? So I believe that there's so much on an 80s plate all the time that organization and efficiency um, and effectiveness is vital to success. And I think that can kind of be wrapped up into one little nice thinking outside of the box. Well, uh, so. Again, uh, I love all of the tools, you know, for both of you. Um, you know, we already said, Dustin, pretty much, uh, you know, repeated uh uh, the three tools that he had, you were pretty close. Uh, your original tools, you did mention thick skin, uh, mm. but uh, your other two suggestions back then, uh, you talked about, and of course we all know there's hundreds of tools you'd want to give a new AD, uh, but you mentioned mentoring, you know, have a mentor, and you also mentioned the importance of communication. So um, it's no surprise that you uh, are using your communication skills uh, in your <laughs> podcast. Um Let's go ahead and um, give out the um, 
directions, I guess, on uh, how they can listen to your podcast, The Paradox. Uh, let's do that first. So what's the site? How do they uh, get more of uh, The Paradox? So um, it's available to to listen on all of the major streaming. So Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all of those. Um, we also have it on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, so you can, you can either listen or you can either watch. Um, we do have our link out there. Um, we have a Twitter account that we really push to get all of that um, out there. But if you want to search for it, it's paradoxes in P-A-I-R-A-D-O-C-S, like a little plan playing words, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's some fun professional development. And that was kind of the idea behind it is to, we all have these funny stories. We're like, where did that come from? And, uh, yeah, we just want to get out there and, and laugh while we're, while we're doing it. Right. And again, we, we can laugh at them, but, uh, as you, both of you are fond of saying, you know, there's always a takeaway, you know, uh, how do we get better from this? Um, Dustin, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and uh, pick your brain a little bit, and uh, listeners, I encourage you to do so. Uh, how do they get a hold of Dustin Smith? Uh, it won't take long to pick my brain, uh, but if you want to reach out to me, you can do it via email, um, dustin.smith at greenwoodk12.com, or uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at smittydp is my handle on Twitter. Um, and I encourage you, if you want to reach me via phone, uh, 479-461-5524 is my cell. Um, I answer it. Well, if I don't know the number, I won't answer. But if you text me, I'll respond. Uh, <laughs> if you leave me a message, I'll get back to you. But um, I, I'm just available. Uh, welcome anybody wanting to call and, and have a conversation. Um, and really, I just want us to be better professionals um, and want to continue to strengthen our profession. Uh, so if I can provide some insight, if I can be called on and you just tell me, hey, you idiot, this is how you should have caught a bat. You shouldn't have done it the way you did it. Then I'm, I'm totally OK with that, too. So feel free to reach out to me any way you need to. Okay. And uh, Danielle Point, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, same thing. My email is danielle at Um I know I'm not huge into the to the social media as much as uh, Dustin is, but Paradox is a great way. I kind of run that account at Paradox Untold. Um, so yeah, either way, we're we're available and absolutely. Um, I'm not as forthcoming with my cell as Dustin is. <laughs> if you want my cell, get it from Dustin, <laughs> but uh, or Jake. But um, but yeah, I would love to be able to help and and pick any you know talk through some scenarios because sometimes that's all you need to make the right decision is, you know, somebody who has the same mind frame as you and you're asking the same questions and you kind of talk through a situation. So I believe in the power of that wholeheartedly and would love to, to help any 80s out there. Well, again, for our listeners, these are two, you know, quality individuals, uh, great professionals, <laughs> great representatives of our uh, profession. And, uh, you know, Dustin, he's going to be at the national conference, uh, going to be teaching an LTI course, uh, Danielle's going to be uh, in the vendor hall at the ticket spigot booth. So, um, you know, feel free to stop by, introduce yourself. Who knows? You might have an untold story uh, that can be told on the, their podcast, Paradox. Um, Dr. Danielle Lapointe and Dr. Dustin Smith, thanks so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, thank you for having us. For our listeners, remember uh, the Zoom recordings of every interview get uploaded to our YouTube channel. So check it out. Uh, we appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content. 
on the Educational AD Podcast and take a listen to the paradox. We'll see you next time. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this session of the Educational AD Podcast, uh, along with our uh, good friends from the Paradox. Um, we do want to thank our sponsors, Final Forms, uh, Snap, Raise, Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack, Hometown Ticketing, Huddle, Sideline Interactive, Vital Signs Wall of Fame, and Gipper. And we also want to say thanks to our partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.